0: welcome into the phnx coyotes podcast brought to you by the one and only DraftKings sportsbook app america's top rated sportsbook app don't forget to hit that like button subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a five-star review i'm lara merrill here with craig morgan and steve peters on a rainy thursday morning in the greater phoenix area how are you both doing today
2: it's kind of nice to have rain it's a little cooler this morning uh... Nice change of pace. I, I, I always wish that like July and August in, in Arizona could be the rain season where it just rained for two straight months rather than what we get.
0: Wishful thinking, Craig. Yeah,
1: I got nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> Rain's fine. It sucks. I got the garbage oh, days. Got my. Garbage, garbage <laughs> got to go in and out in the rain. That kind of sucks. The dog walk is tough in the rain. Whatever. Let's go. Leave <laughs> Let's it to go. PD
0: to bring his positive twist on everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh my A little gosh.
1: sunshine into your morning.
0: well we haven't done a around the nhl episode in a while mainly because there hasn't been a ton going on but there's enough going on that we are going to talk about some things and let's start with coyotes news because there's a teeny tiny bit of it um and let's start with lawson kraus because i think that's the the Thing that's on people's minds right now—it's time relevant, and that, of course, is that Lawson Krause has an arbitration date set for Monday, August eighth. Craig, do you have any more details on that, or what we can expect over the next few days here?
2: I'm just surprised that there hasn't there haven't been really any substantive talks since the draft uh, between Lawson Krause's camp and the Coyotes and. Maybe that's by design. Maybe they get down to business over the next couple of days um, to try and work something out before that arbitration hearing, you know, PD has mentioned this and a lot of people have talked about it in this past, how brutal those hearings can be because the club basically has to come in and say, here are all the reasons why we don't think you're worth the money. And then the player has to say why he thinks he is worth the money. So by nature, it's just adversarial and it's, 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 You know, you can say, oh, everybody forgets it and you can come back from it after that. But I don't know. When I look at Lawson Krause, he's the kind of uh, again, he's the kind of player that you want to have around for the future. They're going to need some players that are veterans like in their late 20s when they come out of this that can lead this team. And he's a guy that I, I think could even be a captain on this team given the way he approaches his daily business, the the respect he has in the room, maybe not the most vocal guy, but he has a lot of those leadership qualities. So you need a few of these guys around. I know Lawson Kraus would do that sort of deal. He'd be, he'd like to be a part of that. He's, he's happy to be a part of what comes after this rebuild for the Coyotes, but the two sides are, just far apart on the money right now I wrote this a while ago I think the the desired length of a deal is five years for both sides but while the Coyotes are probably in the the three-ish range Lawson Krause's camp is in the five-ish range I hope there's a happy medium there you know somewhere in the forest like if you look at Lawson Krause's comparables for what he's worth on an annual basis just over a short-term deal it probably is in the threes but when you talk about giving up years of unrestricted free agency, which is what happens in two more years, well, then the price goes up. So you have to, you know, adjust for that. So that's why I think it can rise into the force. Are the coyotes willing to commit to that? I, yeah, I guess we're going to find out in the next few days, but if they're not, if they really just accept whatever the arbitration uh, uh, plays out, you know, a a one-year deal or a two year deal, we could be looking at a situation where Lawson Krause walks in two years and, Again, I, I, I get what Bill's trying to do with building this team for the future, but you need some of these pieces. You can't just clear the entire deck of the past. I, I don't think that works either. You need some key guys to shepherd this team to the future, and, and I really think Krause could be one of those guys. The
1: problem for me, Craig, is this team isn't ready to win. And they're not trying to win and they're not trying to make the playoffs. I don't know if they're really concerned at at appeasing the crowd base at this point in the fan base. Lawson Krause, you said he's a big player. He's 25, got 20 goals last season. He can provide offense. He can be a physical player. He plays up and down the ice, can kill penalties. He's a guy that most teams are going to want. Um, I don't think that there's going to be an issue, even if they sign him, that he's a guy that's going to be a valuable asset at, at a trade deadline, either next year or the year after. Completely agree with all those things. The problem for Lawson Krause is, and I, I, I got to temper how I say this. I don't think the Coyotes care. Like it doesn't matter. We because in, in Bill's mind, we can get another Lawson Krause three years from now when we're ready. Now, me when I'm looking at it, I, I, I everything you said about Lawson Krause is true. He's a good person. He's good in the room. He could wear a letter for this team, could be the next captain for this team can help you in all areas of the ice. But I don't know if that matters to this team right now. And and I think the, the issue for me is going to be the adversarial relationship that you talked about. If this arbitration hearing goes through, this is going to be a hard bridge to get over. I, I, I just don't like it. I hope they can come to some short term solution before Monday that both parties can walk away and go, I'm okay. I mean, you look at his average, his last contract was just over a mi- 1.5 million, um, for three. And it, it's a huge raise, no matter what, for Lawson Krause. And to your point, if they settle for a, a smaller length of term, can they come up with some agreement? I, I guess we'll see. I, I hope what whatever happens, it, it's best for Lawson Krause, because he deserves to come out of this. You know, he's done everything right for this organization since he has been here from Florida.
0: It's just a bummer, too. Sorry, Craig, to cut you no, off. No because because uh, like nobody's trying to make this make people think that we need this core now to stay. But going through this rebuild, like, you need – I don't think you need just one person. Like, you need a small group. And we thought it was going to be around Jacob Chikrin. I think everyone's already come to terms with the fact that Jacob Chikrin wants out, and we'll get to him in a little bit here. But I think fans have have accepted that. So now you shift your focus. Okay, Keller, who has been, you know – he's come out and said that he's you know willing to be part of this rebuild and you consider Krauss as part of that too and Hayton and if and maybe some others that I'm missing but if you take away Krauss, it's like it just feels like scraps going forward and you still need a core foundation you need to have fans have vested interests and I think Coyotes fans are some of the most loyal NHL fans there are you know like look at all the just bs that kind of fans have to put up with and deal with and defend their team day after day after day but also it's like we need a little something in return And i know it's a business and i know it's not about what fans want but i'm just from the, the perspective of fans like to me lawson Krauss and what he represents and being part of the core moving into the other side of the rebuild is so important for morale more than anything
2: yeah you got to give them something yeah you got to give fans something to cling on to, and I'm not sure, like you said, that Clayton Keller is enough. I also don't think, you know, for for his incredible breakout season, I really don't think Clayton Keller is like captain material. So what are you doing there? And and going back to something you said before, Petey, if uh, uh, maybe the Coyotes don't care, that may be true. But then why come out and say, as Bill Armstrong did, that what's the first thing you do when what's, – what's the first thing you're looking for when you trade a loss in Kraus? You're looking for another loss in Kraus. He made it sound like he's a very valuable piece to them. So if that's the case, what's going on here? I, I mean, we're four days away from that arbitration hearing.
0: And didn't Bill during the season, like, say to you, that's our number one priority? Yes. So it, it felt like it was... I think it felt like it was a given all season long. And you're like, okay, when the, when after the draft, after everyone has time to focus on next year, like that's going to be the number one thing. And maybe yeah. it was, and they just couldn't come to an agreement, but I just, I don't know.
1: The other part of it for me is when you come through this rebuild, we all understand it. We've talked about it at nauseum about the rebuild, when you come through it, you want some people to have a vested interest in the city, the organization, the logo, the Jersey, the franchise, and to have that you need players that have been here for a while that that believe in what you're doing and Allah shane don't i mean shane went through some lean years here but he believed in the organization and he he you know the blood sweat and tears were all in in the kachina black so lawson cross is one of the guys he's got a vent, vested interest here not just in the community but with this yep. franchise and team he believes in it he you know bleeds coyote red so I think that that's extremely important when you get through it to have those kind of players. Because if you just get a band of mercenary players that don't Mm -hmm. have that emotional connection or emotional tie, you're not getting the same performance on the ice and you're not going to get the same result. You need people to believe in it. I get it. You're not going to get 20 guys. I thought you might. You look at the Tampa Bay Lightning, how many guys Mm -hmm. that they had went through their American League team and, and grew with the franchise. I think it happened in Chicago and we talked about a lot of these teams. Lawson Krause is one of those guys right now, and they've got. You know, they just re-signed Christian Fisher. He's one of those guys. Clayton Keller's, he's a coyote. That's what Clayton Keller is. So to me, that's why it's really important that they keep Lawson Krause. I understand the financial ramifications. I understand spending more money than you really want to right now, but. I think there are important pieces, especially with all the young players they're going to have over the next two or three years that they're trying to develop, that you need a player like Lawson Kraus who's there and does things the right way on and off the ice to help mentor and tutor these guys along through their pro path. So even if he's not there in three or four years, the three or four years that he is here, He's helping those guys along through the path of becoming a, a proper pro. I think it's imperative that they get him signed. And, and I think, you know, Bill's comments like you said earlier that he's made in the past would lead you to believe that he thinks it's important. Also let's hope a deal signed be- on Monday before they actually go inside the hearing.
2: And to underscore something else you said about wanting to be a Coyotes, that's another mantra we hear from Bill Armstrong all the time. We want players who want to be coyotes. Lawson Krause wants to be a coyote. He and Claire Stewart love this area. I mean, they're, they're basically local celebrities and they're very happy to be a part of this community for the future. So, again, I, I think I think the ask of, you know, north of five million per season is too high, but that's what agents do. Right. They set a high bar and then you find some place in the middle. But. Yeah, hopefully this gets done in the next few years, because I do think that this if, if this does go to arbitration and we're talking about a short term deal. I could very well see Lawson Krauss walking in two years. You see Christian Fisher walking when he becomes an unrestricted free agent as well. And then what do you have left? What do you have left to shepherd the young guys?
0: Yeah. Um, so the the hearing's Monday. Anything can happen between now and then. We could get off recording this and find out that a deal's done. Um, but on Saturday, correct? That's when both sides submit their final offers, is that right?
2: Correct. The, the, yeah, that's the, they're called the arbitration filings. Yeah, we'll know the numbers from both sides.
0: So, stay tuned for term. that. Yep. So, stay tuned for that. And another player who's still unsigned, who I just mentioned earlier, Barrett Hayton is still unsigned. Is there any progress with that?
2: Not that I'm aware of. I, I mean, maybe behind the scenes, but n- nobody's talking on that one. But listen, it's clear they made their qualifying offer. That qualifying offer has expired, and Barrett Hayton's not under contract, so it's pretty clear that Barrett Hayton's camp did not accept the qualifying offer that the Coyotes sent. So now it's a matter of negotiations. Um, Barrett Hayton does not have arbitration rights. He has a lot less control over what happens here. He's probably going to be a Coyote at some point, but again, if, if you start wrangling this much and it, it becomes a bitter situation where, you know, he's unsigned, maybe even goes, you know, late, maybe, maybe even into the season, what does that portend for the future of Barrett Hayden if that's the way you're going to treat him? So, it's 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 a little hard to understand what's going on with a couple of these players, right?
0: Yeah, now. Yeah, and these are all like players of the future, you know. So it's not Jay Beagle trying to negotiate re-signing here or anything right, like that. It's right. it's a little bit concerning. It's a little bit concerning,
1: but yeah. And with Barrett look, Hayden, he's 22. Like this yeah. is a, this is he is part of the rebuild. He's a guy on the when this comes out the other end. He's 22 years old right now. So this is a piece to me that. You, you we've talked about how he fits and he, maybe he won't ever be the one C that they had hoped for, but he's going to be a, an important second or even imagine Baron Hayden's your third line center that plays up and down the ice kills penalties with yeah, shown his willingness to go to the net. Like he's a big piece of this. I, 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 it's another one. I'm not quite sure. I understand what, what's holding this one up. Um, Again, it's August. It's the first week of August. If we're sitting here, October 10th, getting ready to go into the regular season, this may be all water under the bridge. And we'd be talking about Hayton and Krauss in there and opening night. So we'll see.
0: Lastly, Jacob Chikrin, we've been talking about him like a lot this summer, Um, kind of put the trade rumors to rest recently after, you know, Craig reported that it it didn't seem like he'd be moved, but we've seen in the discord and on Twitter a little bit, some, some rufflings of uh, Jacob Chikrin to Ottawa rumors is there any evidence that this is true, or is this just strictly rumors?
2: I My my understanding of this right now is that this is pretty one-sided, that it is not the Coyotes' side that is driving these rumors. This is uh, probably the agent that is driving these rumors. Jacob Jikren wants out. He wants out. It's pretty clear. And he, yes, he would be happy to go to Ottawa. I know that for a fact. Uh, you know, if if you know about their the family summer cottage in in Armprior, it's pretty close to Ottawa. Uh, Ottawa has made some moves. They're an up and coming team. Yeah, Jacob Trichard would go there, um, but is Ottawa willing to pay the price? I think there are a lot of people wondering if the Coyotes will lower their price for Jacob Trichard. Bill Armstrong continually says no that's not coming down. And if people aren't willing to match it, he's not going to undervalue an asset. Look, Jacob Chikrin had an off season last year. We all saw it. We all saw his struggles, maybe not even, you know, a complete willingness to buy into what was happening here. His value is down now as a result, but that is the worst time to trade a player because his market value has dropped, but you've seen what he can do in the past. Those two seasons prior where he was a very productive offensive defenseman. You don't sell low. This would be a bad decision to suddenly decide, I'm going to lower my asking price just to get him out of here because it could be problematic. No, what you do is you hope that Jacob Chickwin gets back on track and, and recaptures some of his former level of play, and then he ups his stock and you can get the trade that you want. And in order to do that, and I said this, I wrote this already, and I really think this is going to happen, there's going to be a meeting of the minds. There's going to be a conversation between Bill Armstrong and Jacob Chikrin and Andre Tourigny about what went wrong last season, why those four other players that we've talked about, Lawson Kraus, Nick Schmaltz, Clayton Keller, and Barrett ayton all managed to take major steps forward, and you did not under Andre Tourigny. And then I, I do think it's almost going to be like an ultimatum. You need to perform. You need to get out there and perform. And if you don't, there are going to be repercussions. They don't have to trade Jacob Chikrin. He's under contract for three more years at a really team-friendly salary. They have all the control here. So all this noise, to me, I think, is still just being driven by Jacob Chikrin's camp, trying to find a way out. Yeah, he'd be happy in Ottawa. Yeah, they'd love to have him at the right price, but again... There are these other factors to consider. It takes two to tango, and I'm not sure that the Coyotes are on board for the type of deal the Ottawa Senators are looking for.
1: Devil's advocate, Craig. What if Jacob Chickward comes in, they can't get the price they're asking for, and he gets six goals, and he's minus 35, and he's pissed off, and he's grumpy, and he's pouting. How, how easy is that asset going to be to be traded next year? Not now easy talking, at all. Well, exactly. what,
2: happens? what happens if that's the case, if he's playing poorly and pissed off? Then, then you're I'm- stuck
1: with an asset that doesn't like it here, and you don't like him. Now you're really mm-hmm. screwed. That's why I'm, I disagree with you a little bit. I say trade him. I say drop the price get him the hell out of here. Because what mm-hmm. we saw last year is a player that was unhappy and pouted versus a, a Clayton Keller who worked through it and got better. Uh, there's nothing indicated to me that Jacob Chickman's going to go, oh, okay, now I'm going to play hard this year. I, I okay. Nothing out there that... He, he was invisible the last 20 games. Where was he? I know he's hurt, but I, I, I don't know how. He's just gone. So I'm worried that if you don't do it now and get something for him, that you're sitting here in a year going, oh, my God, his numbers are worse. And not only that, now he's got a reputation of, gosh, if he's not happy, he's not going to play, which you clearly don't want to try to trade to a new organization, I'm very concerned about it. And having said all these things, I like it, Jacob chicken. I think there's still an upside for Jacob Chicken offensively. I think he can get back to the way he was when he scored a league leading goals by a defenseman. I think that's in him. But he's also got to want it, and he's also got to be a happy little camper. And he's one of those players that you got to stroke and pat, and he's got to like where he is. And if he doesn't like the situation where he is, I'm afraid you're going to get more of what you saw last year, especially when you got a player like Shane Gostaspare who's eating those minutes on the left side that Trickman wanted. He's getting the one power play time. He's getting the, the offensive opportunities that Trickman wanted, and that makes for a very unhappy Jacob Chicken. So for me, get a deal done get it done get a couple of assets get it get a maybe you're not going to get two firsts and a prospect maybe it's a first a prospect and a player i don't know whatever it is if i'm doing the deal and clearly i'm not i'm sitting here with you guys not under the pressure and my job's not dependent on it i would be trying to move jacob chicken could the
2: conversation go just like this hey we need you we're willing to move you we're willing to trade you But you need to get back to your level of play so that we can get what we need to get for you because we do think you're a valuable asset. So it's on you at this point, Jacob Chikrin. You get to that level. You play the way we know you can play, and we will trade you. We'll, We'll honor your trade requests, but it's on you to make that happen.
1: And that's fair. And I think that puts the onus on the player to 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 dig deep and do more and do better. And we talked about that even last season with Phil Kessel. The same thing. Phil wanted out desperately. Well, Phil, unfortunately, if you want out, you gotta score. Like you've got to put up the numbers you, offensively you have to get to
0: play your way out.
1: Yeah, yeah, play your way out. And and Craig, that's a fair argument. And I and I think that's probably a reasonable conversation to have, similar to arbitration. I don't know how you walk out of that meeting going, Okay, we're all warm and fuzzy, let's all get along. It's it's a tough spot for for both Lawson Carlson and Jacob Chikrin, and they're both important young pieces to this team. So it's kind of unfortunate where we're at. Um, and again, both things can be salvaged if it's taken care of quickly. Because if that conversation happens in August, Craig, you've got you've got 60 days before they're in camp. Okay, we got through it. We're by it. We understand the expectations. I've got time to work on my game and come in ready to play. So I think it's important that whatever those conversations are, I think they need to happen quickly.
0: Well, we still don't know the opening night roster for sure, but there's team total points, which, by the way, these went away kind of early last year, so get in on this now. So right now, the over-under for the Coyotes' total points for this season, 65 and a half.
1: Wow. over 67 last year to start.
0: Okay, so it's a little...
1: <laughs> I got in on that, by the way, Early.
0: Which you league? gotta get you gotta get in early. It's equal odds minus one fifteen on both sides. So, just think about it. It's really funny seeing this listing because, like, they were they're right next to New York Rangers, which is ninety nine and a half, and like Colorado, that's one twelve. So, you know, not not exactly in those numbers quite yet. But is it last,
1: Leah? Is that list? the
0: lowest? I don't know. It's not okay. in order. Okay. Chicago's sixty six point five. So they're close. Close. I'm going to try and find Montreal while I'm talking. But anyway, tons of stuff you can bet on on DraftKings, even though it's August um, for hockey. All of the individual awards, team futures... Um, You can bet on teams to make the playoffs, division winners, conference winners, Stanley Cup winner. So get all of that in now. Or if you want to bet on things going on, currently tons of sports going on right now still, even though hockey is in its offseason. So just make sure to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now if you haven't already to get in on that. Use the promo code PHNX, make your first deposit, and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code PHNX, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum agent eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Um, there are some teams that have been avoiding arbitration with their players. <laughs> There's been a few signings around the NHL um, for starting off with the Calgary Flames and Andrew Maggiapani, who, by the way... I didn't even know he existed before last year, but then he was on the 32 thoughts podcast at the beginning of last season. And I thought, Oh, like they won't have him on unless he's significant. So I had him on my fantasy hockey team. Great decision by me there.
1: <laughs> That's a um, good GM.
0: <laughs> but yeah, so he signed a three year, $5.8 million extension with the Calgary flames. I feel like things have t- you know started to trend better for Calgary. They've had a very interesting off season. Um, and also, Oliver Kilington. I don't even know who that is, if I'm being honest.
1: It's Shillington. Is it? Yeah.
0: Why would it be spelled with a K? With a K? <laughs> Why would they do that? Buddy,
1: buddy I don't know. It, it just is.
0: That is rude. That is <laughs>
2: rude.
0: Anyway, any thoughts on, on, on the Calgary Flames signings and such?
1: I think they needed to. I think they were in a spot where, where after the trouble that they had between Goudreau and Kachuk, that they needed to do... Um, they needed to make a move and made to make a splash and they needed players that wanted to be there. Uh, these are incredibly important signings for Brad Trilliving and the Calgary Flames. It makes them relevant again and still puts them at a, at a team that's that you put near the top of the Pacific division. Ditto. <laughs>
0: See, look at that. <laughs> wow. wow. Um, all right. And then we got New Jersey avoiding arbitration with Jesper Brout one year point. Four five million. I'm just going to list off a few and then we can talk about whichever ones. The, the Edmonton Oilers with Jesse P- pooley Is that?
2: pooley yes. yeah. Yep. God, these names. And Jesper Bratt. Jesper Bratt.
0: Oh, my God. Right? Of course. Why do they do this? The um, so Flyers and Zach. Someone else should just McEwen. read. Them. McEwen. McEwen. Yeah. The Ducks. <laughs> Isaac Lund- Lundstrom. Yep. Kraken. Morgan Geeky, brother of Connor Geeky. Um, So quite a few... Oh, and it I... happens, right? It happens. Yeah, yeah. and, and it on. still could happen with Lawson-Krauss. Right. And
1: I, we, all these got pushed right to the brink. And, and yep. you've heard of cases where guys are literally about to walk into the arbitration hearing room and get a deal done. The Lawson-Krauss thing could easily get done by Monday. And in fairness,
2: like when, when I talk to Bill about this, like he doesn't want to talk about this every day. It's just it gets exhausting, but he's just like it's part of the process. It's part of the process. So maybe it will be. Maybe we'll we'll have a lawson Kraus signing over the weekend, and then everyone will be like, oh, okay. Yeah. But
0: one I mean, thing about all of those deals is they're all short, like one to three years. Well, that's
2: it can only be one or two years out of out of arbitration. And that's that's the scary part for Lawson Krauss, right? Like what what if it's a two-year deal? Or if it's just maybe he just does one year. Like I've I've heard it floated that he could do one year ARB, one year ARB out. He's gone, yeah. he walks. Christian Fisher is gone. And then I mean, you look, we we have heard them say Clayton Keller is a, a part of the future now and Clearly, he had a great season where you're like, yeah, okay, he's finally mm-hmm. realized it. But let's be honest, the contracts for Clayton Keller and Nick Schmaltz are a big part of why they are a part of the Coyotes' future because those are those are big contracts. They're they're tough to move.
0: Yep, um, and then a non-arbitration one, but just a, a UFA who signed uh, John Klingberg signed in Anaheim on a one-year deal. That was surprising that it was such a short deal but maybe he just wasn't getting the offers that he thought he would
2: yeah probably so you you try and put up a big year in anaheim he's probably going to have a big role there and from anaheim's standpoint they're probably thinking what the caddies are thinking with shane goss okay this becomes a really good asset for us that we can flip at the deadline for future assets so it, it's interesting because john klingberg could potentially impact the market for shane goss at the trade deadline because you've got another player that of, of that ilk that's going to be available for teams to consider.
1: Leah talked about the the team points and and draft Kings. You look at this Anaheim Duck team and what they've done over the summer. You've got Troy Trery and Trevor Zegras coming back. Offensive powerhouse of some of the best offensive players in the league. You add Frank for Toronto and Ryan Strome from the New York Rangers. This is a team that at the back end they've got Shattenkirk. Now you've got Klingberg, you got Fowler, you got Jamie Drysdale, one of the best young defensemen in the game, and throwing John Gibson. When John Gibson's on, he's as good as anybody in the league. I don't care anybody says I love John Gibson in the net. So this team now goes from being, eh, they're they're working their way through a rebuild. They've got some nice young players too, adding pieces like this. I Don't count this team out. This is a team that could sneak in. You know that 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 could be one of those teams that's eight, nine, ten. That right towards the end of the season, you're going, holy shit! The Anaheim Ducks are hanging around. Like, uh, don't Especially in
0: that division,
1: exactly. And the, I and I are. know.
0: And sorry, I know. Last year we talked about like when we were guessing the you know the order of how everyone would finish. I think Craig and I both said Anaheim and PDU said San Jose. Looking ahead at next season, like I don't think Anaheim's gonna be at the bottom of the Pacific. I do think it'll be San Jose and we'll get to them in a second. Um, but you're right, this Anaheim Ducks team, like they're they're on a, a good pace. I don't they're not anywhere near contender status or anything like that, but there's some excitement there. It's
1: a possible playoff team. And you look at Vegas, we're still unsure what Vegas is going to become with all the changes there and Robin Lehner up and down and guys getting you know, Patrick being gone. We're still not sure what they're going to look like when they actually play an 82-game schedule. Who knows? But you look at Edmonton and Calgary and Vegas are the three premier teams in the Pacific. L.A. makes the playoffs. Can Anaheim sneak into that group of four? I mean, I think they can be around it. I think they they made some improvements this year that that at least they'll be taking a step forward.
0: And that brings us to the back to the San Jose Sharks, who have hired their next head coach. David Quinn has been hired as the next coach of the San Jose Sharks, carrying on with the NHL coaching carousel. What are your thoughts on this I, hiring? I,
1: I, I just, I I, honestly, this coaching thing, I like David Quinn. I think he's a good coach, but all of the complaints and things you hear about him as a New York Ranger coach, why aren't they the same problems and complaints as a San Jose shark coach? And why isn't the things you hear about coach a and B and C we shuffle teams and now they're fine. Like Pete DeBoer changes teams Um, bonus changes teams. Like how many coaches change teams this year? It's, it's more than I can ever recall, but Paul Maurice can't coach in Winnipeg anymore, but he sure can coach in, in another city. Like how does this happen? Like, I just I'm I struggle with it and I know it's just the nature of the beast in pro sports that you just shuffle the team and okay now he's a he's our guy. Well, did not you watch the news or don't you watch other teams like he this coach had a problem in another city for a B and C reasons and now he's better now like now all of a sudden he's a good coach or I'll take the reverse Gerard Glant. You're, you're coach of the year. You take a team to the Stanley Cup Finals. Now you can't coach and we're going to fire you. And you do it again to another team. And guess what? We're going to fire you from there too. Like, I, I just don't understand the shuffling of coaches. And all of a sudden you think, okay, this is the magic bullet that's going to fix everything. I do appreciate teams that try something different. That <laughs> we're going to promote a guy from our American, American League team. We're going to give uh, Detroit Red Wings, given a, a longtime assistant coach, a chance as a head coach in the National League. Try something different. Different, and I and I appreciate teams that think outside of the box and try that. I understand. Hey, if John Cooper comes available and he wants to go, hey, I'm negotiating and I'm going to jump ship because my contract's up. Yeah, yeah, he won cups. I, I get that. the 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 part of guys getting fired on non playoff teams and being hired almost immediately to do another job it just baffles me in this league. I, I don't understand it. I wish someone would explain it to me because they'll go fail somewhere else too, and they'll be gone in two more years. So. Kudos to those teams that take a risk, take a chance, and including the Arizona Coyotes, thought way outside the box, bringing a junior coach in. At least they're trying something different. Okay, there's my soapbox. I'm off it.
2: Got a lot of thoughts on this. Um, This has been an issue in the NHL forever. It's a constant recycling of coaches. And I think part of what plays into that is that GMs are risk averse. I need a guy with experience. I need a guy that I know has done the job before. I can't go way outside the box, take a big swing at somebody. And Oh my God, it was a complete failure. And that's all on me. So they're risk averse, like take a, a, you know, a less risky deal, a guy who, you know, has some warts, but has done the job before. Having said that, I do think people can often get better at their jobs over time, right? You learn from your experiences. So If you failed in a previous stop, that doesn't mean you're going to be a failure in the next stop. If you're self-reflective, right? If you think about what did I do wrong? What can I do better? What did I learn from this past experience that makes me a better coach going forward? I think part of that can play into it as well. But I do get tired of this. I mean, we've seen some coaches where you're like, buddy, I mean – you're out of strikes here. You, this shouldn't happen again. And you you talk about taking risks or grooming your coaches. I am surprised that the AHL does not get used more as a place to groom your coach of the future. You're doing it with your players. Why the hell aren't you doing it with your coaching staff? And you mentioned John Cooper. He's the classic example. Right. He was the AHL coach with no NHL experience. He comes up with a group of guys that had success at the
0: AHL level and they win cups no. that's the model that's what you should be following you look at the successful teams that have won cups i think it was dan Bilesmo was a similar situation um in 2009 when he came up from the ahl and coached pittsburgh and they won a stanley cup that same year it, it's the same model the same idea that the ahl and the nhl team play the same systems so you can slide right into it unless you want to completely overhaul the system that your coach has established but yeah you're right, Craig. I don't know why they'd do that.
1: This is going to be a fun topic to, to to look back on. Maybe it's something we we check in on December, and and specifically all of the teams that hired a coach that had previously been fired or left a previous organization. I'd like to see how, you know, let's follow through. Maybe we're wrong. Maybe these guys, maybe Paul Maurice is going to all of a sudden become something he couldn't do in Winnipeg. I, I don't know. I, I, I we'll, we'll wait and see because I've... I just I think it's time to start looking outside of those other things. And there are some names I won't mention today or some other coaches that I just look and go, how are they still here? I, I don't understand the numbers they put up that throughout their career, and they're still here. I, I Again, if they've won Cups, you're going to get another chance, period. If you, Gerard Gallant made it to the finals, and now he made it to the Eastern Finals with the Rangers, he will get another chance, period, because he's won. Fair enough. But there's so many that haven't won, haven't accomplished things, haven't made playoffs. And end up somewhere else. It's just surprising to me.
2: I think I'm going to do this story now. Wow. I think I want to do this big takeout, talking to NHL executives on why this conti- continues to be the case, because there there could be some good reasons, like one of the ones that I mentioned, right? Yes. But I, and you want that experience, right? To hear all their thoughts.
1: There, there are so many things, and this don't overlook this either, because one of the main jobs, clearly, you coach your hockey team, and it's about systems and X's and O's. But there is another part of a head coach's job in the National Hockey League is you organize everything. When do we practice? When do we fly? What kind of—I don't want to say what kind of hotels we stay at, but do we stay overnight in the city because we need our sleep? Um, when should we have a team meal? What should be at the team meal? That falls on the head coach's desk. Now he doesn't always do that himself, but it goes through him. It's his job to make sure all of these things happen. There's a lot of things on an NHL coach's plate. It is very nice to have an experienced guy that understands how the league works, how, how everything goes on on a day-to-day basis in the National Hockey You bring a guy in from the NCAA to coach in the NHL, it's different. You play Friday, Saturday nights. You don't play three and four. You don't play 10 games on the road at a time. You don't know how to manage practices and how you manage road trips. It's different. So it is nice to have that experience. But to your point, Craig and Leah, bringing someone up from the American League and grooming them through your system or through your assistant coaches ranks. Yeah, I think that makes some sense. So I, I think there are so many facets to it. I'm just surprised. Now I like David Quinn. I think he's an organized guy. He comes from college. He, he, he's an intelligent guy. Does that give the Sharks a big boost? I I don't know. I, I I don't see the Sharks taking a step forward this year. And it's got nothing to do with the coach. It's about what they're doing with their players. Their management has changed. You know, it's Mike Greer's first time as a general manager in the league. There's a lot of things. The San Jose Sharks are behind right now. They need to try to take a step forward. You've got Eric Carlson on a big contract. You just got rid of Burns, who's one of the fan favorites there. There's a lot of changes in San Jose that won't necessarily be reflected by the general manager or the coach.
0: With all, I just <laughs> <Sorry. finger down. laughs> um, all of these coaches switching teams over and over, they they need to make sure they have the the right gear for the team they're on. So they should check out. FOCO, our partner, who is a leader in sports, merchandise, and collectibles. FOCO's got you covered with the best Arizona merchandise. They have officially licensed gear for men, women, and kids, and everything from bobbleheads to swimsuits to Crocs. Head on over to FOCO.com, that's F-O-C-O, or click the link below in the description for all non-presale items. Use the promo code PHNX for 10% off. They probably have a lot of uh, different team gear, but they got to stay on top of it with all these changing teams. Last NHL topic for the day before we wrap up, there's still a few notable free agents who some of them more surprised than others that there hasn't been movement on. Um, and of course the one who leads that list is Nazem Kadri, who has yet to sign Anyway, I literally thought he would be either a day one or a week one signing wherever it was. We've heard some rumors about the New York Islanders, um, but still nothing on the Nazem Kadri front.
2: Yeah, I'm surprised it's gone this long. I I honestly am. And and maybe, you know, I I see all sorts of uh, theories out there, excuse me, about why that is. And the longer it goes, that could mean that Colorado is going to bring him back and they're, they're working things out. Or maybe New York has to move some salary out. All of that could be true. I don't know what's true at this point. I'm just surprised that a player, usually when free agency starts, it's the top guys that fall immediately. And then it's the other guys that we're about to talk about that are waiting, 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 maybe even up to training camp to find a home. This is a really elite piece who had the best season of his career last year and was a critical piece in Colorado winning the Cup, still sitting out there. That's amazing to me.
1: Well, to me, I I thought, honestly, I thought once uh, the Cup was over, uh, I thought it would take a week, maybe 10 days, and he'd be a Colorado avalanche. I really believe that. I thought they'd try to find a way to get this done. I know the Colorado camp desperately would love to have Cadre back. The problem is their available cap space right now. So if you want to bring him back, you're gonna have to get creative. They got three and a half million dollars left on, well, just under four million dollars on their cap space that's not enough to get a deal done with Cadre right now. So they're going to have to find a way to move some pieces out to make some room. If they are to get that done, when you look at other teams and these rumored again to the Islanders. And if you've been around the league or know the league at all, Lou Lamarillo might have him signed to a five-year deal right now. He might be there skating in an Islander uniform and nobody knows about it because <laughs> that's, uh, that's the way so
2: true. I don't know how he does it, but like,
1: Like Steve Iverton is
2: probably the next guy who's managed, manages to keep things under wraps, but man.
1: Yeah. The cone of silence. I
2: I feel like there's like an underwritten threat with Lou. Like if if you leak this, (laughs) you know, I got some cement shoes for you.
1: (laughs) Exactly. I tell you what, the cone of silence around Lou Lamarillo is absolutely amazing. So it could be, and and that does make some sense for that team to another team. That's trying to make a little bit of a splash and push. So I am surprised he's still there but he's going to be an integral part of some team's run to the playoffs. I don't think he's going somewhere to a team that doesn't have a chance to win next
0: year. Definitely. Um, and then a few other notable ones. You know, th- these. this list is – they're a little bit older. Not We weren't really expecting any – they don't <laughs> really carry as off. much. Yes, they they used to be star players. Let's just say that. Um, Phil Kessel still available. P.K. Subban, Keith Yandel, which – still a chance he might retire who knows um and then Braden holby there's obviously more free agents but those are just some of the the more familiar ones is this a matter of they're kind of waiting to see what happens or do you think it's a matter of there's just haven't been offers or like wh-
2: i think it's no. the latter I, I, for, with well i can i can speak to two guys in particular with kessel it's going to come down to a very short offer for phil and it's going to be low money uh, it's at this point, it's a, it's going to be about Phil willing to take a lot less than he's been worth in the past, and I think he wants to go somewhere where he can at least compete in the playoffs. We've heard some rumors with Edmonton. We'll see if that shakes out. That even seems like a weird fit for me with Phil Kessel, but yeah, I don't I don't think any team's in a rush to bring Phil Kessel aboard. As far as Keith Yandel, I actually reached out to his agent a couple of weeks ago, Jerry Buckley, and he just told me Keith's training and preparing to play in the fall but he hasn't made a final decision. He's just evaluating as we go. That to me is agent speak for we'll see if Keith actually gets an offer because at this point in his career, you could see teams just moving on from Keith Yandel, who had a a great career, much of which we saw here in Arizona. But again, he's he's well past his prime. It, it, It may come to a point, especially with the economics of the league these days, where a player like Keith Yandel just has to hang him up.
1: Yeah, and I think the other thing interesting with this group specifically of these four names, Kessel, Subban, Yandel, Hopi, we're talking about all older players and what you've seen, the trend in the league over the last several years is younger, faster, homegrown players. Why would I get a Keith Yandel when I can play my own 22-year-old defenseman that I drafted? I I think that's going to be a problem for all of the guys on this list. Keith Yandel, Phil Kessel didn't have great years uh, last year. It's going to be it's going to be interesting to see what pans out. I know Phil Kessel is still training. He's here in the Valley. He's skating. Um, he's trying to, you know, get ready and prepare for the next season. But you're right, Craig. They're not beating down the door right now. Is the, the offensive output, and I'm not blaming Phil Kessel completely. You need teammates. You need to play in the right the right situation to get points on the board. Um but Phil needed to play his way out, and unfortunately that didn't happen. And the power play points weren't there. And Keith Yandel had a tough go to end his season in Philadelphia too. So I I don't know. I mean you'd hate to see players like that out of the game. Um, but but it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a, a short term low money. And a different role. I mean, Phil Kessel is not going to be an everyday. He might be a fourth line guy that's in and out of the lineup, or he might be a guy that only gets power play time. I mean, it's they're going to be a different role, and they're going to have to be able to accept that, or this might be it. With
2: Kessel in particular, though, PD, can he play on a fourth line?
1: knowing the role that a fourth-liner plays. I don't think he's a fourth-line player. He's not a guy that can be in first on the four-check. He's not a guy that's going to put a guy up against the glass. He can't play gritty like that. I'm not sure that he's a guy you put on your fourth line. He's an offensive specialty guy that can play on the power play and beat a goalie clean with a shot from the top of the circle. That's not a fourth-line player. So it's going to be an interesting hybrid of how you can get him ice time and still get him out on the power play. Because I still think he can be an asset on a team's power play. I really do. I think on a team that's struggling on the power play, I think he can help
0: last tiny tidbit of news the calgary flames announced their name and the logo of their new ahl affiliate the calgary wranglers if you haven't seen it google it um i personally love it i love the name it fits calgary and it has still the the flame element to it i i love it
2: yeah it fits the city what what surprises me i guess a little bit about Calgary's decision to bring their AHL team back to Calgary is just location. Like travel's really hard in the AHL. Um, and if you look at the layout of the Pacific division, by and large, those teams are in the Southwest Calgary. You got Abbotsford up there, of course for Vancouver. But other than that, I think the next closest market is San Jose. That's a lot of travel for that team. That's, I mean, part of the idea of creating the pacific division in the AHL was to reduce travel because you want to have that development time for your team. Calgary's in a tough situation there. Uh, I know they, they you know they, they they felt like the California markets were tapped out, but I thought maybe they could have explored some other things. I've always wondered about like for instance Salt Lake City as as a market for an AHL team. Why didn't you look at something like that or something that would have brought you closer to the vast majority of the Pacific Division teams, but they've elected to bring it to Calgary, and that's, that's going to be some wear and tear on those players. Obviously, recalling them is really easy. When you when you need players, and I think they like that aspect of it, but from a development standpoint, I wonder about it.
1: It's interesting to me because you're <laughs> going for a team that was in Stockton. For those who didn't know, they played in Stockton, California. And you talk about the Ontario Rain. You've got the Arizona's got their team down in Tucson. You're putting a team Vegas has got a team in Henderson, and Seattle's got a team that's nearby as well. Coachella Valley, yeah, 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 yeah. And Near and, and the Ducks are
2: in Ontario, right? There's a lot of teams down here.
1: Yeah. So to me. I, I know Calgary and Brad Trilliving were were big proponents of getting this Pacific. Brad was a big key figure in getting this to happen, to getting yes. a Pacific division started. He started that when he was here in Arizona as the assistant GM and, and starting to get these teams here. And again, the biggest reason is travel. You don't have the travel budgets. You don't have the income that you have in the National Hockey League. So having teams that are bus rides away saves money. So this one to me... <clears throat> Not only are you now a plane ride, you're crossing the border. And I hate to say it, there still are implications mm-hmm. with COVID-19 and crossing the border into Canada. I'm I'm curious to see how this eventually works on teams' budgets because now in Tucson, instead of going to Stockton, California, several times a year, now they go to Calgary. That's a big burden on teams in the American League and their travel budgets and getting teams uh, across that border. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little surprised. I get the proximity of call-ups. Um, having that team on the West coast clearly helped, but having a team in Calgary makes it incredibly easy to call players up and down. Um, surely it's a financial decision for Calgary that it it benefits them. And are they playing in the saddle dome, Craig? I think so. I think that's the plan. If they're sharing the building, now you're bringing costs down. I mean, San Jose does that too, right? San Jose shares that on game days. I, I guess I'm just surprised it didn't make an attempt to keep it again more in the Southwest. So it did surprise me a little bit, but I guess we'll see how it plays out. And we're going to ask the people once they finally make a move um, for the Tucson roadrunner head coach um, would love to have that coach on and talk about how this affects the Pacific division. And if we can't, we'd like to get, you know, some response from the coyotes management on how this affects the coyotes travel and, and, and the roadrunners travel, getting into Canada and their budgets. So. We'll see how it goes going forward. It's
2: on my story list. I actually want to do a story on the Pacific Division as it lays out now because now it's <laughs> – what's crazy is it, it's the largest division in the
0: AHL. Who would have thought
2: that wow. a few years ago? Mm-hmm. Look
0: at all of the story ideas Craig has gotten on this Get podcast. So <laughs> those will be coming on com. Become a member if you haven't already to access all of Craig's – articles as well as the articles of all the talented writers at phnx uh, we have coverage of all the major arizona sports teams and becoming a member also gets you access to the members only discord where we talk every day um, the kaius discord is very active so <laughs> we have a we have a great time in there and one last note buy some four peaks if you haven't tried it already you can buy it literally anywhere and i mean anywhere i've seen it at target i've seen it at Fry's. Um, that's a benefit of teams coming to Arizona to visit, get some Four Peaks. They can check out the brewery on A Street in Tempe. And we're looking for our next Toast of the Month winner. So be sure to Enter the Toast of the Month sweepstakes to win a $50 Four Peaks gift card, a PHNX shirt of your choice, and a PHNX annual membership. So go to gophnx.com or click, click on the link in the show notes. You must be 21 or older and enjoy responsibly. It's so easy to enter and it's a great prize. So you should do that. I have to run because now I have to face the impossible challenge of getting my skittish cat into the carrier to go to the vet. Pray for my arms because last time... Blood was drawn (laughs) by
1: our claws. Good luck, Leah Merrill.
0: Yeah, Um, we'll be back live tomorrow at 11 a.m. for a fun Friday show. Please like and subscribe and leave us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at phnx underscore coyotes, and you can follow each of us on Twitter at s peters hockey at at craig s morgan and at Leah Merrill. Um, more arena video content coming this week on social as well. So you'll want to stay tuned to the PHNX Sports platforms and the PHNX Sports YouTube channel. Thank you everybody so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow and enjoy the rest of your Thursday.